All right, and this question comes from Bash. Hi, Bash. And Bash Hi. says, Hi, everybody. Hello, Bash. From the CBT video, you guys mentioned disrespect to the unconscious through hyper-rationalism, mm -hmm. which made absolute sense. So what are the other ways in which we might disrespect the unconscious and how should we avoid them? Does one's unconscious know that they have all the tools to individuate and by misplacing trust that should belong to oneself and their unconscious somewhere else, for example, a person or an ideology, the unconscious is greatly disrespected in a way you are on your own. And that's the question. So how is if you had to list off how we disrespect the unconscious <laughs> so that people can copy and do it? Right. Yeah. OK, well, we, we can start with hyper rationalism. Um, if you just take a course of a neurological level of analysis, description and explanation, essentially you're talking about cortical level of functioning and processing. That's not the whole of the brain. Um, the insights that have been shown over the past 20-25 years by affective neuroscience, the work of Jack Panksepp that I've mentioned several times in recent uh, podcasts, show that there is an emotional uh, level of processing of information which is quicker than the cortex and it's in the limbic system which is basically underneath both cerebral hemispheres. So just ignore the bipolarity of left and right cerebral hemisphere for now and focus on that deeper structure, that much older evolutionary aspect of the brain which processes and learns and makes associations so quickly that the cortex has to catch up and this is how complexes for example form according to Jung that you have ideas cortical processing they're held together by a common emotional tone but that emotional tone has a consciousness of its own which involves the limbic system and taken together the cortex and the limbic system form psychoneuroendocrine basically mind brain and hormone neurotransmitter pathways that diffuse through the entire brain and indeed through the body so don't reduce anything to left or right hemispheres or anything like that that's that's the first way of disrespecting the way that the system itself works the brain is essentially evolved from the inside out it used to be thought that the older parts to quote Carl Sagan back in the late 1970s were guided by the new it seems it's the reverse of that that the older parts are essentially dominance in the sense that they encode yeah. for learning they encode for whole body states uh, and it's it's there that the instincts are most active and the emotions the, the primary drivers of our behavior are expressed through the limbic system rather than the cortex which involves the association cortex of course which is the parietal and temporal lobes of both both cerebral hemispheres not left or right both of them so if you then come back up a few levels of explanation and analysis and description back into psychology, the psychology of ego or ego consciousness, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make, and this is the first level of disrespect if you like, uh, is to project the ego and its contents back into the unconscious so you see only a mirror of yourself. Even if the perspective is reversed, as in a mirror, you're still seeing ego consciousness. The unconscious is completely different to that. Jung himself was very explicit about it. In the Houston video lectures that he did with Richard Evans, he, I think he was a professor of clinical psychology there, you mm -hmm. can get them on YouTube, he makes it really clear that the unconscious really is unconscious. 
and that the way things appear in consciousness is the result, if you like, of that communication arriving from the unconscious into consciousness in a form that it will understand, it being consciousness. But if you identify then only with the reflection of the ego in the mirror that it uses to peer into the darkness of the unconscious, there will be a tendency to project into it things that aren't there. Yep. So the best way to deal with the unconscious is to treat it naturalistically. Allow it to communicate to you. It changes everything when you do that. The other thing is the importance, the primacy of emotion, instinct and drive encoding our behavior before we even and our responses even before we become aware of it at the cortical level that means you have to understand instinct you have to understand drive states so it's really important to do that every technique that you use consciously should take that into consideration if you do that you are automatically respecting the self-regulation of the system as a whole it makes communication easier Another way that you can disrespect, if you like, while we use that metaphor or even allegory, is to bring in psychosocial constructs from outside of you as an individual personally, things that are created in the culture through suggestion, and then import them, if you like, introject in psychodynamic terms back into the unconscious mm. and insist that that's what you are seeing. That kind of mistake is what young men when he said that the archetypal image, for example, is not the archetype in and of itself. But the archetypal image may not be an archetypal image. It may be a complex. It may be a collective, a group, a social construct of a complex. Um, learning, if you like, through a culture which is then just systematised and internalised, and that then becomes the filter through which you try to experience the unconscious. The very best forms of hypnotherapy and hypnosis at the apex level just do away with all of that and they're interested only in experiencing the unconscious as it presents without any kind of filter or distortion. You learn different things when you do that and you find that therapeutic change occurs very rapidly. Uh, Self-development occurs very rapidly as well. So to cut to the chase then, to treat the unconscious with respect simply means being receptive to it rather than imposing anything upon it. And don't elevate the cortex. And don't elevate the cortex, in because other words, you, you, consciousness. Because you'd be in a bad way if you didn't have you know, the, yeah. the other areas of the brain oh, underpin it. I mean, you, yeah. you, without those, you couldn't even survive. No. But there's no. a tendency to, to do that, to yeah. say that um, the cortex is everything and consciousness yeah. is everything. Yeah. You soon find out that's not the case. No. no if no. those other structures weren't in place. No, and you, you need to, to widen understanding of what consciousness is and not just look at it through a psychodynamic lens. Mm. Um, to test it, to challenge it, look at cognitive neuroscience and then look at affective neuroscience, which challenges cognitive neuroscience. And after the collision between those two and the resolution between those two, you'll find something that's useful to understand the dynamic unconscious and uh, neuropsychoanalysis, for example, which is a synthesis of neuroscience and psychoanalysis, is doing just that. And they are making great breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. So look there and you're in 2020 and not 1920 in terms of your understanding of things. Um, but overall, um, mm -hmm. 
treat the uh, the unconscious with respect by allowing it to communicate with you directly and then hold this in mind that the genome is the organizing principle behind everything uh, it has that capacity it has that capacity to observe your behavior your adaptation and to respond to that yeah the, the genome is on a timed release that's your lifespan development um, and the extent to which we're in synchrony with that is in some sense an index of how adapted we are uh, complexes form around maladaptations pathological complexes do anyway and complexes exist in the brain in the association cortex the parietal and temporal lobes of both cortex but also in the limbic system it's all decided there um, which is why it's so important to understand that pathway and it's psycho neuro endocrine all three it's not just psychology and it's not just the cerebral hemispheres it's all of it um, and as soon as you you approach the psyche the unconscious in, a, in um, a naturalistic way you will get cooperation this is clinical empiricism over 40 years um, we found this out to be absolutely the case Mm. You can disrespect it by default if you're not careful. Yeah. So what about not listening to it then? So, so you know, just yeah. I mean, obviously, the, I told the story before about how I used Chevro's pendulum to ask, yeah. you know, a, a party trick. Like, should we go to the nightclubs? Yes, we should, shouldn't we? And then Chevro's yeah. pendulum started messing with me afterwards. Yeah. But what if you were doing something like Chevro's pendulum or self hypnosis, and you asked the question, you got a response, and you ignored it? Yeah. Deliberately. Yeah. You're right to, to refer to it as being like a party trick in that sense that if you use it with, with that kind of intentionality in mind, you're going to get something. You're provoking it. You're provoking your psyche and you will get that kind of response. Mm. And you, you've, you've found that out. Yep. Um, so don't do that. Uh, and certainly don't project your own ego backwards into the psyche. That's a hugely important thing. I know I'm stressing that a lot, but if you if you do that, then you you will create what Jung called the trickster. It will it will become manifest. And when you think about it, it's a homeostatic thing. It's trying mm. to put the ego or the ego in its place to do its job. This is something that a lot of um, people who are interested in psychodynamics don't want to hear at all. But the the job of ego consciousness is to adapt to the outer world. Under ordinary conditions, the unconscious will self-regulate itself. It has no particular interest in being conscious. Only when the ego or the ego gets out of alignment with the needs of the genome and its expression, then the unconscious will, tr will try, will attempt compensation. And that's when you start to get neurosis developing. Jung also said, don't mess with the unconscious. Don't go there unless you absolutely have to. Leave it alone. And he was right. And yet, today, so many people who call themselves psychonauts want to jump into the fantasy that they're actually relating with their unconscious, when really what they're doing is still paddling around inside their own ego, albeit into the shadowed recesses thereof, but they're still there. They're not actually in their unconscious. They're in the complexes, which are either incorporated into the ego, or to, to those which are aligned with it, like an immediacy. They're not actually in their true unconscious at all. They're just tricking themselves, hence the trickster image or imago is a, a really good way of describing how we fool ourselves in that sense. Mm. So under normal conditions, the ego's job is to relate to the outer world. Under normal conditions, the unconscious self-regulates itself. It bottoms out into the genome. It crosses the psychoid boundary that Jung talked about. 
so don't go into the unconscious unless you have to. But if you do, or you feel you want to, which is of course risky, treat it with respect in a naturalistic way. Then you won't get resistance from it. And certainly don't project a fantasy back into it because it will take that as being an inflation of the ego. And it's it's right. Jung would have said it was the same thing. By doing that, you're taking, a say, for example, a psychosocial concept or construct, inflating your ego with it and then projecting it inwardly. You're going to meet something bigger and stronger than you if you do that because the compensatory dynamic will be mobilised within the unconscious as a whole, which itself, as I say, is grounded in the genome. And at uh, the very least, you're going to get yourself into a severely neurotic state if you're not already like that. Hmm. Unpopular to say that kind of thing, but I'm sorry, that's the way it is. That's the reality of life. 